electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Connecting the dots between the American unemployment rate and your pocketbook. Jared Bernstein from the White House Council of Economic Advisors on inflation and everything else. As the labor supply increases, we should see a better alignment of labor demand and labor supply. And that's certainly comments that you hear from Fed Chair Jay Powell are also in a similar vein. But first, what's standing in Elon Musk's way as he eyes Twitter? Former SEC Chair Jay Clayton joins us on the latest. We've seen financing be addressed. We've seen due diligence taken off the table. One other constituency that we talked about that people will be keeping an eye on is regulators. Those stories plus the market's rough ride, U.S. diplomats back in Ukraine, and President Macron's moment. It's Monday, April 25th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And this morning, all of that pressure on equities continuing. We saw this start on Friday, late in the session, some serious pressure that brought the Dow down by almost 1,000 points. It was the biggest decliner for the Dow that we've seen, the biggest declining day since October of 2020. The Dow has now fallen for four straight weeks, if you check things out. You want to look year to date for the markets at this point, you're going to see that it has been some incredibly steep declines. Um, the NASDAQ is the biggest loser. It's down by about 18% from its all-time highs set earlier this year. S&P is now down in correction territory. Right now it's down by more than 10%, and the Dow down by about 7%. And, of course, all of this comes uh, on concerns about growth, and that's been the huge story. Andrew? Absolutely, Becky, and let's talk about it, because stocks in China selling off overnight. Beijing warning over the weekend that COVID has now spread there undetected in the city for a week, and that more cases uh, could be found with investigation. The city's main business district began three days of mass testing today, and all in-person group activities have now been suspended there. Schools mostly remaining open, but some restaurants, gyms, and non-essential businesses were closed in a small portion of the business district. Secretary Austin and I just uh, returned uh, from Kiev, where we went, went at the uh, request of President Biden and the invitation of President Zelensky. We are back. The reason we're back is because of you. New overnight, uh, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, both visiting uh, Ukraine, in fact, Kiev, to discuss military aid. And with Ukraine, President Vladimir Zelensky at the meeting in Kiev, the uh, U.S. officials pledged more than $700 million in military financing to help Ukraine uh, and other countries involved in the war effort. I don't know what a uh, 
a, an embassy presence looks like, but reestablishing our, our, an embassy presence. I, they, they said brave diplomats doing that and, and, and making trips. I think from Poland into the country, eventually setting up in Kiev again. Um, but mm. yeah, that's a, a big move. And watching the pictures from this kind of play out too, um, it obviously had been le leaked by President Zelensky. Um, he talked about this previously, but they went ahead with this trip. And that's a, a very big deal, I think, just in terms of showing up and, and saying yes. They're, they're supporting this, this regime. Time now for the Squawk Planner this morning. Investors are going to be bracing for another huge week of quarterly results. Visa, Boeing, Caterpillar, and McDonald's. Activision, this one's going to be interesting. They're going to be reporting after the bell. Of course, uh, that Microsoft deal out there. But the week belongs to the mega cap tech stocks. They're going to take center stage starting tomorrow. We'll hear from Alphabet and then Microsoft, followed by Facebook parent Meta and Qualcomm on Wednesday. Then we're going to hear from Amazon and Apple on Thursday. Twitter, in all of this with the saga of uh, Elon Musk, reports on Thursday. That actually might give this whole situation a bit of a deadline. Uh, over the weekend, there was word that the social media company would be warming up to the idea of a takeover by Elon Musk. Obviously, I'm very happy, but now committed to deliver for France, Europe. Merci. Meanwhile, in France, are their polls as bad as ours? Why, well, this wasn't even close. President Emmanuel Macron comfortably defeated his far-right rival Marine Le Pen in yesterday's runoff election. In his victory speech, Macron acknowledged that many voted for him to keep his rival out of power. Sounds familiar. Uh, not because they supported his ideas. He promised to address the sense of many that French living standards uh, are slipping. It's still worth it, though. You're living in, you're living in Paris. Yeah. Or anywhere in France, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Berkshire Hathaway is holding its annual shareholder meeting this Saturday, April 30th. The meeting is going to be held in person in Omaha, Nebraska. This is the first time it'll be in person since all the way back to 2019. CNBC is exclusively live streaming this event. Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger will once again be on stage together, taking questions for more than five hours, and they'll be joined by Vice Chairman Ajit Jain and Greg Abel. Shareholders, it's uh, not too late to get your questions, and you can send them to BerkshireQuestions at CNBC.com. I'll read through all of those questions, and we'll get to as many as we possibly can on Saturday. Again, that email address is BerkshireQuestions at CNBC.com. Make sure you head over to CNBC.com slash Buffett this Saturday starting at 9.45 a.m. Eastern time to watch the annual meeting itself. We also have pregame, halftime, and postgame meeting shows for all of this, too. Next on Squawk Pod, the TikTok on Twitter. Elon Musk inching closer to his goal of buying the whole platform. And the board is weighing options, but they're on a timeline. What Wall Street should be watching with former SEC chair Jay Clayton. One of the things the board is doing is evaluating this offer versus continuing continuing as a bit, uh, you know, an independent company. Also evaluating whether anybody else would come in, but uh, more granularly evaluating uh, whether the, the transaction can be one that's uh, uh, more certain. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Up and Andrew. Welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. A source tells CNBC that Twitter's board met yesterday to talk about Elon Musk's financing plan for his proposed bid. Musk disclosed that he had secured $46.5 billion in financing for his takeover bid. Twitter had been expected to shoot down the offer and had even gone so far as to adopt that poison pill to fend off a hostile takeover. But the Wall Street Journal reported yesterday that Twitter executives are in talks to sell to Musk and could finalize a deal as soon as this week. This reversal comes after Musk met privately on Friday with several Twitter shareholders to make his case for his proposal. Obviously, the board has... Um, a fiduciary responsibility to run down any offer and a real offer that has financing to back it up is going to be one that they will obviously have right. to discuss. Well, I'll tell you, so one of the things, though, and we'll see where, where, whether we end up getting uh, to, to a finale here where the deal gets done, but I think part of one of the reasons that this board wanted to talk to Elon Musk and negotiate with him was for that very issue, it, partially to actually just do their fiduciary duty if you will. I think it would actually be very hard to just simply say no and walk away from it completely. So having those negotiations, seeing whether the price can come up. Um, obviously, Elon Musk has said so far, this is a take it or leave it deal. And by the way, in a market where a lot of uh, big tech stocks have actually fallen, Twitter has remained. So there's going to be some interesting questions about the pricing uh, issues. And then there's this issue about free speech and uh, about influence and all of that. The other piece of this over the weekend uh, was you saw Elon Musk uh, making those comments about Bill Gates uh, sort of going after yeah. him and ripping him. But that, by the way, from the conversations I was having with people at Twitter over the weekend, that bothered people. I mean, that that kind of because they, I think there's a view about if you believe this is supposed to be some kind of town square, you believe this is supposed to be some kind of place uh, where. People. Now, you could say that's about free speech I, at but one it's, point. It's but it's by far, it's not the worst thing I've seen on Twitter. Right. I mean, if you're, if, no, I, it, look, it wasn't nice. Terrible, it, 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 and there's for lots every, of terrible you, things on Twitter. For every person that it the, bothered, there are people that, that liked it. it I, you know, when Gates was on, he went through a, a litany of his investments when he was on. When you had him, and I said, what about shorting Tesla? And he goes, oh, I don't discuss my investments. I said, you just went through a litany of these investments that you do make, but you... Now you say you won't, and right. so he, he must have no, been short tape, Tesla. There's, the, there's the look, says he was short. It says that Bill told him that, that yeah. if this is verified right. com- conversation back and forth between them. I think there's a different question. I mean, this, goes, this is a different question about than the price itself. But, you know, and you may disagree with me on this. Probably. I think that Elon Musk has become a role model. Uh, for better or worse, for look, my kids love Elon Musk. A lot of people around this country love Elon Musk. And if I you're going to be a role more. model, what does it mean? I love him more now. To, to make hey, those hey. kind of, tell to make those kind of comments about, right. you know, about whether it's, it's Bill Gates mature. or anybody else. I'll give you that. Whether it's, it's not mature, mature right? What, but it doesn't mean you can't love him more because of it. No, but what my, you think the platform is going to be when it comes? With, 
As those have come out people. recently, my love has grown. And I know the whole left hates him now. So I, I've watched it switch. I've, he went from the climate change god to where people don't like him because he's mean, like the, like the last guy with the mean tweets. But some, some people like that he's able to do that. He's too big to fail. He's, he's, he's worth enough to where you can't cancel him. I, I, I understand and that, that I but I, I think there's a question mark. Uh, there's a question about civility. And if you believe that this is an app and a platform where you want to have civility, Maybe you don't. Like we have now. Maybe you don't want role models. Like we have civility now on, on Twitter. Look, I, 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 I understand We all have a different view of what a role model. We have a different view of role models. I don't, that woke, woke cancel culture, politically correct people are not my role model. I, I, look, I don't, I don't like my kids seeing this stuff either. I, I, I get that. You well, like they the see a lot worse than this. To, yeah, they do. And, and, and that's and, the problem. And if you're actually going to clean, clean up Twitter, you're going to go a lot further than just banning Elon Musk or doing something along those that's lines. That's for sure. Hey, hey, by the way, back to the deal, back to the, just his proposal, his bid for Twitter. The one thing that the board has said, and I think it's pretty interesting, that they'd like a breakup fee so that if this deal doesn't go through, um, they get paid something for going through this because I, I, going back to Elon's original filing for this where he said, look, I can call the deal off for anything. I can decide tomorrow to not go ahead with it. I, I think if they're going to accept this deal and, and move down this road, they would like some certainty that the deal is not going to disappear overnight. And, and that's probably Oh, I think that would be part of any negotiation, though. Yeah. I think yeah, the question, of course, how big, how, big, how big that's going to be. We still haven't figured out, and he hasn't made clear to them, I don't believe, exactly whether he's putting up all the equity himself, whether he's going to go in with a Tom Bravo or some kind of other private equity firm who's, who's right. going to. So I think there's still a, a whole bunch of questions uh, to be worked out. But I, yeah. I do think the longer term debate is not even about the price in a very strange way. It's actually about all these other things. It, it, it is an inflection point and it's sparked a conversation, that's for sure. Joining us now on the phone, former SEC chair. Uh, Jay Clayton, he's a CNBC contributor and a lead independent director at Apollo. A lot has changed since the last time we spoke, uh, Jay. I, do, you, do you think now the, the chances are increasing that Elon Musk ends up with Twitter? Well, you know, lots of people are handicapping, handicapping the, uh, the, the probabilities here, Joe. Uh, but last time, we, last time we spoke, we identified uh, a whole list of uncertainties about this what actions uh, various people would take, uh, the conditions to the bid. And what you are seeing is, is a direction of travel uh, where those uncertainties are being addressed. Uh, there, are, there are many to go, but we've seen uh, financing uh, be addressed. We've seen due diligence uh, taken off the table. Uh, you've seen the board of directors do what board of directors do with a, with a pill and other actions trying to put some order and process uh, around this. And, uh, you know, the market is taking stock, as you've noted, of uh, how shareholders and others feel about this. So there, there's a direction of travel from uh, uncertainty to trying to eliminate those uh, uncertainties and, and get greater certainty. Uh, there's obviously a way to go, uh, but that's where we are. Yeah, and you can almost see it in the action in the stock, I guess, trading up 4% on Friday. It's up again today. Uh, in a down market, and yet it's still well below what the cash offer would be. So it, that, that, I guess that's a fair market check for what the probability is at this point that he succeeds. Yeah, I think, th I think that's fair. And uh, one other constituent 
agency that we talked about um, that uh, people will be keeping an eye on is is regulators and where the regulators will come in on this, uh, including the SEC and the things we talked about around uh, the Section 13 filings, the 13D and the 13G. So that's that's another thing to continue to keep your eye on as we move forward here. Got any friends there that tell you what's going on or, or are you just surmising what goes on. I mean, what, what, uh, what, what would they let, are they still so angry or involved with looking at uh, what they think are things that Elon Musk has, has violated certain things in the past? Are, are they big enough to where they try to stop this? Uh, no, I have, I have no, uh, I have no, you don't have any friends. You have no friends, no, no friends <laughs> no there. Friends, do, you, do you have friends anywhere, Jay? <laughs> Uh, Joe, friend, fr- friendless, you know, it's, it's a tough world out there. You don't there. have a lot but, uh, on Twitter, I can tell you that much. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You're laughing at that. I do, too. I don't either. And I don't want any friends on Twitter, to be honest with you. And Andrew has a question. Yeah. yeah, it's a good thing. Andrew. AJ, hey, uh, fiduciary duty question to you. Um, given this t- that Twitter is a Delaware company, and we have lots of conversations these days about various stakeholders, the business roundtable statement many years ago, how they're supposed to take into consideration employees and customers and empl- oh, the whole gamut. Can they really in the context of a transaction like this? Well, a- Andrew, I think, you know, look, you have your you have your duties to your shareholders here in in Delaware. And you know, I caught a little bit of the program. Uh, you guys were correctly identifying that one of the things the board is doing is evaluating this offer versus continuing continuing as a bit, uh, you know an independent company, also evaluating whether anybody else would come in, but uh, more granularly evaluating uh, whether that the transaction can be one that's uh, uh, more certain, including talking about uh, breakup fees and the like. And that's, that's, that's what the board is doing here, uh, evaluating this versus the alternatives. And, uh, uh, you know, look, all we have is the, the reports in the paper, but it seems like they're, they're doing what you would expect them to be doing here. But Jay, are they, I guess the question I'm asking is, are they allowed to take into account, for example, I, I know because I talked to people inside Twitter and around the board, they were, there was a genuine frustration this weekend with this poking uh, sort of immature poking at best uh, at Bill Gates, not because it was Bill Gates, but because there was sort of a view that they, there was a look that was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be the owner of Twitter. And yes, we all want free speech, but is this, is this the kind of behavior that will work long-term and actually be good for, for, for the company as a company, but also good for society? Well, Andrew, I think you're, you're let's put it this way. The perspective of the shareholders um, and the current public shareholders of, of Twitter is going to be paramount in the boardroom. And, you know, these issues of the moment that you're talking about, um, of course, they're, they're there, um, but they're not going to carry the day. The board right now and, and what they're thinking, what, what, when they're talking and, and deciding on, on their different concerns as, as board members, what, what do you think is going to take precedence and and there's a lot of CYA and always is with boards right I mean they, they've got they've got this, they have to, have to consider shareholders they have to consider uh, you know regulatory issues due diligence all that that type of stuff I mean they, they cannot blow this off in a market this week for tech stocks Jay uh, there's just too much too much risk in, in doing that look John I I'm a believer that boards generally do a very good job around these things I, I expect there's a lot of rigor 
assessing value, assessing uh, certainty, uh, assessing uh, the market generally. Uh, you know, uh, we we get to pick and poke at them, and we should. Uh, in, in America, you you know, you scrutinize people who uh, have important jobs. But my view is boards and directors generally do a very good job in situations like this. All right. Jay Clayton, uh, thank you. Good to have you on this morning. You, I'm a, I would consider us friends. So if, you, if, you, if someone <laughs> says, you, who are your friends, you might say Joe Kernan said he's a friend. So. That's, a good, that's a good start to the week, Joe. That's a good start to the week. Becky says you might want to keep that to yourself. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> See you later. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, a member of President Biden's Council of Economic Advisors on getting enough Democrats on board with a wealth tax. Well, some of us are calling a wealth tax. Come on, Jared, withholding tax on unrealized gains is not a tax. I mean, that's, let's be clear about this. It's a tax on money that has not come into play yet. So here I very strongly disagree. All the lively happenings on the Hill right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. I'll toss it over to Becky. Investors and the White House worrying about inflation. That's a big part of what fueled Friday's sell-off in the markets, which has continued into this morning and this week. Federal Reserve Chair Jay Powell now says that a 50 basis point interest rate hike is on the table at next week's central bank meeting. There's something in the idea of front end loading whatever accommodation one thinks is appropriate. So, so that does close to point, yes. that points there in the direction of, of 50 basis points being on the table. Certainly, we make these decisions at the meeting, and we'll make a meeting by meeting, but I, I would say that 50 basis points will be on the table for the May meeting. Joining us right now to talk more about all of this is White House economist Jared Bernstein. He is a member of President Biden's White House Council of Economic Advisors. And Jared, the, obviously, the inflation picture is an important one, not just here, but around the globe. I think the big question is what governments can uh, and, and should be doing to try and combat this. What, what is the White House uh, Council of Economic Advisors advising the president when it comes to how to deal with inflation right now? Well, good morning and a great place to start. Uh, if you think of the economy and the inflation that we're experiencing as the combination of very strong demand, an historically strong labor market, very uh, solid uh, household balance sheets, strong demand meeting insufficient supply, there are two ways to address that. And again, I'm speaking about this from the 
perspective of the uh, of the Council of Advisors. So, you know, these are this is economic analysis. So you, you have demand, you have supply. Our idea has been to try to bring supply up to meet strong demand. I mean, the Fed kind of works the other way. And how do we do that? Well, one thing we want to make sure is that labor supply continues to grow in the, in the job market. I think it's actually one of the most important variables in the economy right now. And we actually have a very solid and somewhat underappreciated trend in that regard. The labor force participation rate for prime age workers is just a half a point below its pre-pandemic level. We actually have the fastest growth in labor force participation of any of the past five recoveries. Of course, that's of course, that's out of a low trust, but that's helpful. And then there's our work in the ports, our work in the oil markets, our work in competition between industries, trying to help family budgets uh, deal with these uh, elevated challenges. Let me ask, do you think the, the wage inflation that we've seen to this point has peaked? Are, are we going to see you know, demand for higher salaries start to come down from here or not? I think whenever you have a labor market as tight as this one, uh, you know, we all know that there's a 3.6 unemployment rate. I think what people might have missed from a report uh, about a week or so ago from the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics is that there are 17 states out there posting their lowest unemployment rate on record with data going back to the mid-1970s. And under those conditions, workers are going to have strong bargaining power. And by the way, uh, that's a real value at the heart of Bidenomics, always has been. At the same time, you've got firms with strong pricing power and I think that's another way of explaining uh, the current inflationary dynamics. Now, as the labor supply increases, we should see a better alignment of labor demand and labor supply. And that's certainly uh, comments that you hear from uh, Fed Chair Jay Powell are also uh, in a similar vein. So uh, that's, I think, one way to understand those dynamics. Senator Elizabeth Warren was out yesterday uh, on the talk shows and was pretty vocal about the idea that she thinks this inflation is such a problem that that your party her party will lose in the upcoming elections if they don't do something about addressing inflation i, I don't think there's much quarrel or quibble about that it's got to be the number one issue on voters minds right now but her suggestions for how to deal with this um, i don't think jared would be suggestions you would go along with she says that a lot of this is because of price gouging she wants to see the ftc have the power to go ahead and investigate and then prosecute uh, companies that they think are, are price gouging. And second of all, she wants to see student debt paid off and thinks that the president has the authority to do that, to forgive student loans that are out there at this point. Would you go along with either of those two issues? Let me reflect on that, that excellent question. So first of all, you said if the uh, administration isn't doing uh, enough to help ease inflationary pressures, I, uh, I, I guess different people will have different answers of, of enough, but I've never been part uh, of an administration that has tried to do more to help working households get by in this period of elevated prices. Our work in the ports, uh, co uh, container dwell time, something I never talked about until I got to, to this round of, uh, of the CEA. Container dwell time is down by about 50%. Uh, shelves are generally well stocked. Uh, I, I mentioned the labor supply story. When you get to issues of industry competition, 
that's obviously something the president has actually leaned into uh, pretty fulsomely. The idea is less about price gouging and more just about simple econ 101. Look, if there's insufficient competition in an industry, price levels are going to be higher there, and we see lots of evidence of that. So what we'd like to see is a lot less barrier to entry in some of our key industries. Now, on student debt, here's something people also don't know enough about. This administration, working with our education department, has already provided $18 billion in student debt relief, reaching almost 800,000 people, people who were defrauded by uh, uh, for-profit colleges, people who maybe became disabled and thereby couldn't uh, uh, pay back their loan the same way, people who got public service loan forgiveness. Uh, we are working uh, diligently to try to do all we can to ameliorate that pressure as well. Hey, Jared, on another topic, but it's uh, in the headlines literally as we speak. Um, wanted to ask you about Elon Musk. The White House has uh, obviously had a complicated relationship with Elon Musk, um, has made comments about the influence of billionaires uh, in America over business and society. Um, what's what's the, the White House view of, of a potential Elon Musk takeover of Twitter? Well, there's no way we're going to comment on a specific deal like that, but let me take your question to this issue of billionaires and the White House. I think where, where you see our, our fingerprints uh, most present on that story is uh, on a, a, a tax, a billionaire's income tax. You know, I remember a number of months ago, both you and Joe were press, pressing me hard to uh, come up with a policy, come up with a policy to uh, go after uh, untaxed income derived from wealth. And uh, in fact, that's precisely what this White House has as a, uh, uh, I think, historically important proposal. Raise $360 billion over 10 years, so very important for the revenue side of the equation, and only hits the top 0.01%, one one-hundredth of the top percent uh, of, uh, of the nation's billionaires. Uh, so an income tax on billionaire income, uh, which also taxes unrealized uh, gains, I think is, is very much the spirit of where we're coming from there. We know that's not going to pass, at least not at this point. You don't have the votes in the Senate. Uh, I would definitely not be too sure about that. Uh, remember, we have a very uh, active legislative team who works uh, these uh, issues before we put them uh, on paper. So uh, I'm not going to make a prediction either way, but uh, I wouldn't go along with, uh, meaning with you your think assertion. That, well, okay, meaning you think you do have the votes within your own party, that you've locked up senators? It's a, proba it's a probability question. Now, nobody's locked up, but you know, I, wouldn't, I would never assign zero nor one to that probability, but I think it's a lot higher than, than, you're, than you're putting it. Well, okay, Th that would require that you get two senators from your party who have said no to this point. Are they in play? If you actually listen to pretty much every senator that I'm thinking of, including uh, ones who uh, are, are more in the uh, center of the Democratic uh, agenda, they've at times been supportive of a wealth tax, uh, of a tax on, uh, uh, of, of the type that we're talking Not about here. Not on unrealized gains, they haven't. Well, I think you have to go back to the well and try to explain that this is a, uh, a, essentially a withholding tax on unrealized gains so that Come when on, those Jared, gains... That, uh, withholding tax on unrealized gains is not a tax. I mean, that's, let's be clear about this. It's a tax on money that has not come into play yet. So here I very strongly disagree. It's a brand disagree. new tax. Let's, it's, this is a brand new tax if you want to it is a brand, it a tax. It is a brand new tax. No question about that. It's a brand new tax proposal. But a withholding tax on unrealized gains... Uh, which is then used to pay those gains once once they're realized, seems to me to be a tax with a great rationale. And what if the gains rationale. are never realized? 
if the gains are never realized, well, that's a great question. If the gains are never realized and uh, the person passes away, uh, then those gains are taxed at death. So that's a a part of the step up basis. Okay, uh, the gains are never realized. The tax goes away. Let's say you're a shareholder. No, no, it doesn't go away. I'm saying that that's that that the instead of the step up basis, those those gains would be taxed at death. Joe Manchin is signing off on this or is open to something like this? There's no way I'm going to speak to Joe Manchin or legislate in front of the camera here. No, there's no way I'm going to speak to him. I'm giving you the economics of this. Of course, our legislative team is working this. uh, And uh, I don't think that its probability is as low as you think it is. But we'll see. Jared, just on another topic, uh, you know, corporations over the past several years have been speaking out uh, more and more on all sorts of uh, what might be described as social issues, political issues. A lot of Democrats, including the White House, have have been supportive of some of those um, of those of those uh, out outspoken moments. I'm curious what the reaction was inside the White House uh, around what happened in Florida last week uh, with DeSantis and this uh, bill uh, effectively that um, is seeking, I think, to uh, at at some level quiet Disney. Well, I don't know that I've heard uh, the president speak to this specifically. Uh, He may have and I've I've missed it. So uh, I'm not going to speculate there. I think that it's completely legitimate uh, for corporations uh, to be good corporate citizens. And this is something the president has talked about. In fact, he's talked about uh, corporations uh, playing a role here, both uh, in terms of uh, uh, price pressures and in terms of what we talked about earlier, not creating barriers to entry in industries where there's not enough competition. So I think it's completely legitimate for the president of the United States to talk about corporations from the perspective of, of being Uh, uh, good corporate actors. What does that mean? It means that uh, they're allowing competition in their industry. It means that they're allowed to uh, uh, profess and follow uh, any legal views that they think are appropriate. Uh, But it also means that in the back of their mind is the well-being of this nation and this economy that's made many of them so successful. And I think that's very, I I think that's very consistent with what the president has said about these issues. Jared, thank you for joining us today. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you back soon. Thanks. My pleasure. That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening on this Monday. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, you can follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.